like to say welcome to this little mini-series on the Fiat 11 Classic events. Uh, in this round we are talking about uh, Classic Sweden and Classic Denmark and Classic Germany because these are the ones that have ticket sales coming up. Uh, today's episode uh, is going to be, uh, we're going to be talking about the, the Classic concept as a whole. Why do Fiat 11 as a brand uh, actually hold events or carry out events like the Fear Loving Classic, what is the history of Fear Loving Classic, and then we are also uh, talking about the Fear Loving Classic Sweden, so the original classic. Uh, with us today we have uh, Carl from uh, the Fear Loving organization, who is the global event manager, and uh, welcome to the podcast, Carl. Thank you, Ulrik. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh yeah, thanks for, for doing this uh, podcast also. Of it's course. A great value, I think. Of course. Um, but uh, as always, in the, as we do in this uh, this podcast, I think we, we should start with a little bit of an introduction to our guests in, the, in, in this episode. So could we could we start to hear a little bit about you? Who are who are you, Kalle? And uh, what are your what is your connection to to the, the Fear Loving Classic and the Fear Loving organization? Yeah, so my name is Carl Hordav Segerstad and I work, as you said, as event manager, global event manager for Fjellraven. And uh, I've been with the, with the company and the brand since 2015. So it's uh, becoming quite a few years now. And uh, I've enjoyed every single day of it pretty much as it has been a fortune and a privilege for me to work with uh, with uh, what is very close to my heart, actually bringing people out into nature. And uh, it's been a luxury. Uh, yeah, nothing else, uh, I would say, to, to uh, work with these events and uh, Fjellrev and Polar as well. Mm. Uh, as it really inspires people to spend time in nature. And uh, I think it's uh, quite bold and uh, a strong statement by a brand to have the courage to invest in, in an event organization and actually carrying out events on their own. Um, so it's, uh, and I feel very honored to, to have the opportunity to, to do this work and as as long it really aligns with my own personal values it is uh, it is also a big part of my lifestyle so it's a, it's a, it's a fun job and it's an important job and uh, I try to take the responsibility uh, very seriously from that perspective yeah so you're of course uh, responsible or, or working closely with the feel loving classic in Sweden but but you're also a big part of the the development of the of the new events and making sure that that whenever there is a new classic or a classic uh, one of the other classics then fellow in classic sweden that they are kind of aligned with the with the event guideline and so that, and the values of fill event but but how is this uh, how how much are you actually involved in the in, in the development of the new events and how is that that process uh, normally looking yeah i look on my role a little bit or quite similar to a product developer i mean developing new experiences because each time you set up an event in a new venue or new location uh, you need to make adaptions to to the local conditions and uh, whatever uh, regulations or um, conditions that are 
prevailing in that specific area. So you need to make quite a few adaptions, but you don't want to uh, jeopardize the overall concept and the overall idea of a Fjällräven event uh, mm. that we really would want to have people involved and uh, engaged into the activity that we're undertaking at the event and um, the feeling of being uh, uh, to, to actually meet the people behind the brand and relate to the brand and and also to nature of course to to spend time in nature and uh, on on nature's own terms it's what's really uh, is at the core of, of our events not not uh, having it too um easy or to uh, aligned with uh, you know not not making all the arrangements for people to actually uh, make it you need to make your own planning your own arrangements yeah. and and actually carry out the 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 event or the challenge on your own yeah now we're almost uh, already moving into to the concept of Fjell Eleven Classic here yeah. and, and and what is the, the the background. But maybe we should actually start a little bit with the history of uh, of Fjell Eleven Classic. Why did why did Fjell Eleven back in the the what, when did Fjell Eleven Classic Sweden start and and why did we start this event as a as a brand? The Swedish event started already back in two thousand five mm -hmm. and. Uh, uh, it came from the the Fjellraven history of uh, hosting events and uh, doing um, mountain marathons uh, in in the Swedish mountains. Yeah. Uh, back and now we're talking nineties. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, that was not completely on par and aligned with the brand at that point in time uh, i mean there were products relevant for that kind of activity but but the rest of the brand was it it, it was not completely synced uh, if if you ask me now like 25 30 years after that happened but yeah. the the people that were around can probably tell more about that but um so, so from that idea of having people running in the mountains uh, there was a development and an idea to actually do a trekking event instead of of the running event yeah so so Fjellaven took a lot of elements from a running competition but uh, made it into a trekking event yeah and uh, originally it was a strange animal i would say in the event uh, flora of uh, existing events because mm. no, you couldn't really define it is it a competition or is it a uh, something else yeah. and uh, still today in sweden we are you know um, fighting a little bit against the idea that it is a competition because it's not today uh, it has evolved into an event where you uh, explore nature and uh, explore your own capabilities of uh, spending time in nature and uh, feeling good uh, at the same time. Yeah, yeah I think uh, when, especially when you talk about our, our Feel Evans brand values, I think it's about we we are we are we are about enjoying nature and experiencing nature, but not about conquering nature, right? And that's that's the point. And taking the competition out of it, it doesn't matter if you 
if you do it in uh, in five days or three days or seven days it's uh, or i don't know what the maximum days actually is but like it, it's uh it's not about how fast you can do it. it's uh, it's about the experiences you get along the way right yeah exactly and i mean um, as soon as you start to uh measure people and uh, rank them in between each other mm. it becomes competitive and a lot of people really like that yeah. i do a lot of competitions also i love it sometimes but uh, when you take that element out you have a completely different set of values to explore mm. which is super exciting uh, and uh, today's society is so extremely competitive so to be able to offer an environment where we take that competitiveness out i think is really special and and uh, it fits super well with uh, with fjellreven and it fits super well with the spending time in nature because not everything has to be a competition yeah yeah and then i feel like i, I have heard a story once about that then the, t- the thought behind doing a trekking event and not having it as a competition is is to to help people get into the the mindset of doing these kind of of treks and hikes right and and teach them how to, how much gas should you bring how much food should you bring all these things so it's a, a lot of like educational uh, as well I would say is or, or or what are your what are your thoughts on that. I, I- I totally agree, and, and uh, it's good that you point that out, I think, because uh, one of the elements that is allowed to grow and take more place when you take out the competitive edge is the educational part. Uh, people are much more willing to stop and support each other, to help each other, to talk each other when you know that you're not in there for, for mm. the race, or it doesn't matter if you spend an hour or two hour or even an extra day sometimes uh, on on the trail so, so it becomes much more social yeah and uh, i mean of course a lot of people set their own goals uh, I, I mean i want to make it in this time or i have a f- plane to catch or yeah. whatever but 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 uh, but then it's for your own sake and i think that's totally different yeah yeah but uh, i think that was uh, that was a good uh, good little bit of the background of of the of the classic concept um and you will also see this in 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 most of the or in all of the the classic events is that that you would have educational uh elements to it that you can maybe you you would uh, be getting help uh, pitching your tent or maybe you there is uh, at one of the campsites maybe at, at one of the other classics in sweden you would find somebody uh, having a presentations about how to pack a backpack or or something like that you will you will have these uh, these elements of, of education along the way so you can actually learn something if you if that's what you're there for but we also have a lot of much more experienced hikers that are just joining to to, to get the social aspect of of, of uh, hiking in a, in a in a group like this or at an event uh, so it's a, it's a very mixed group of, of participants i would say yeah, I think, I mean, there there is so much competence uh, in the community around the Fjellerven Classic. Uh, I mean, the many participants are super uh, experienced and skilled and they 
all, all every time are super willing to share, I would say. Uh, and uh, I mean, volunteers, super competent, and uh, they are there to help. That's their main task. And, and without the fantastic volunteers at our events, we would never be able to pull it off. Yeah. So, so I'd say they make out a fantastic uh, core fundament part of, of our events yeah. um, and sharing their knowledge and expertise and, and then we do our part also of course to to add the educational aspects in terms of clinics workshops uh, tutorials uh, podcasts whatever yeah. to to uh, to spread uh, education and and uh, share knowledge about uh, spending time in in nature um, everything from from uh, how to pitch a tent to how to adjust or what to, a backpack or what to put in the backpack what you need what you don't need but but i think the most important learning aspect is that you actually do it for yourself and mm. you get to try and you get to test and and you learn from your experiences in an environment where you know that there, there are a few uh, um, you know uh, emergency exits where that you can uh, run to and get help if yeah. you if you need you're not completely left alone yeah. And I think that's kind of uh, safety and security feeling that that brings is, is super important too. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's also what what makes it a really great event for for people that wants to get into this kind of, of hiking because there is this safety net around uh, around the the event that that can actually support if if something happens or if if somebody once out in the middle of everything or something like that then, then it is it is possible it's harder in sweden than compared to some of the other classics because it's it, it usually involves a helicopter but uh, but it is possible <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll come to that when we talk about the route in sweden <laughs> it's a little bit uh, different from many other areas yeah, yeah. yeah but maybe we should actually jump into that then because that that is that is also the the topic of this episode, right? The Fjellraven Classic Sweden uh, specifically, and then we we have a separate episode on on Denmark and a separate episode in Germany, and we will also do uh, episodes on the on the other classics uh, later later on during the the, the spring. Um, but but the Fjellraven Classic Sweden, uh, the route, uh, where does it start? Where does it go? What what are you experiencing uh, as a as a participant along the way? Now I've actually not hiked the Fjellraven Classic Sweden. I've hiked both Denmark and and Germany, uh, but uh, but Sweden is still on my on my to do list. So uh, so I, I I'm also a novice here. Yeah, I'd be happy to to uh, welcome you to uh, Kiruna mm. uh, in northern Sweden this uh, summer, Ulrich. It will be a pleasure to uh, show you around. Uh, so Kiruna is the uh, major uh, Swedish city closest to the northernmost uh, part of the Swedish mountain range. Um, and uh, that's where you need to arrive, either by train or by uh, flight mm -hmm. um, and uh, then the actual starting point is in Nikalukta mm -hmm. which is um, 70 65 70 kilometers west uh, of uh, Kiruna mm -hmm. um, and uh, in Nikalukta the road ends 
and the mountain starts. Yeah. And then uh, we are following what is actually called the Dag Hammarskjölds led, mm. uh, uh, which connects to Kungsleden, a little bit more uh, well-known name for the Swedish mountain trail uh, no, uh, lovers. But Dag Hammarskjöld uh, has given name to the exact route that we are following from Nikalukta to Abisko. Okay. Uh, and Dag Hammarskjöld was the uh, Secretary General for the United Nations uh, back in the Mm. 50s and he was a great uh, mountain lover uh, so he he has uh, his name has been given to this exact route that we are following yeah we have kept the same route uh, since the start um, and uh, you you leave the public road or the road net at Nikalukta and uh, you actually don't cross a road until you get to the finish line in Abisko so there are no public roads, no roads whatsoever. You can access certain areas by by uh, quad, or you need to use a helicopter during uh, the period of the year when there is no snow on the ground, of mm. course. Then you can use snowmobiles. And, and along the road, there are uh, a number of checkpoints. We have six checkpoints along the route that you pass, and they are located with a distance of a with between 20 uh, and 15 and 20 kilometers between mm. each each other uh, and you can uh, you can do this hike in, in i mean the fastest people have done it in like 13 hours or something yeah. like that then you run it that's a hard challenge uh, but uh, i would uh, definitely recommend a first timer or if you're not used to long distance trekking to spend at least four nights out yeah. and and uh, to then then you have five days for for trekking then you walk a little bit more than 20 kilometer each day the the complete route is 110 kilometers mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, 20, 25 kilometers per day is normally doable if you are a little bit prepared. Mm. Uh, so that's what it all comes down to, actually having tried out your gear, not uh, starting off in fresh shoes and never pitched your tent and, uh, you know, taking out the, the stove out of its packaging on the first uh, meal that you're having, that then you're going to have problems. Um, yeah. Because you need to be able to handle your equipment when you're tired, when you're wet, when you're cold, when you're uh, hungry, etc. And uh, then you don't want to have a, a complete mess up because then it's really, really not fun. So being prepared for these uh, challenges, then it is uh, really doable in, in that time if you haven't done it before. Yeah. And at each checkpoint, we have volunteers and there is a little bit of support. And, you know, we make sure that those who start actually get uh, to the finish line uh, or uh, and in worst case, if you need to abandon the trail, we have a, a setup so that we can support people and get uh, out uh, in, into medical care or hospital, yeah. hospital if needed. And and how is the the, the route itself? Is it uh, a lot of like? Is it in the mountains, going a lot of up and down, or is it more in a valley? Or how is the how is the landscape that you're passing through and, uh, throughout? Yeah, the that's route? what. 
that's one part that makes this uh, route quite challenging is the fact that i mean the first uh, 15 kilometers you're walking through the forest uh, mm -hmm. and then you're slowly climbing up to uh, above uh, timberline mm -hmm. um, and uh, then you stay on, on the high mountain actually until uh, you come to the finish line yeah. uh, almost or it's like 15 kilometers before that you enter down into the forest yeah again so, so you are really exposed over a long period of time uh, there are there is no shelter from the wind if it is uh, blowing and raining at the same time you have water coming from all over the place so you need to protect yourself uh, and you know there, there is no proper shelter to be found mm -hmm. uh, so you need to have your equipment and gear uh, in condition to to sustain those conditions yeah. Uh, that that's that that's the big challenge uh, it's not a lot of climbing uh, i mean the highest point uh, we start at about, about 400 a uh, little bit over 400 meters above sea level mm -hmm. and uh, we end at 400 meters above sea level yeah. uh, and then we climb up to the highest point is 1100 meters above sea level so it's not a huge climb but it is very rocky yeah a lot of rocks uh, and and the small rocks and big rocks so you need to be quite careful how you plant your feet mm. and if it's wet and raining then those rocks become often slippery and uh, so, so that is what is the most challenging part of the trek itself yeah and that's hard to prepare for yourself for even if you trek at home you know because normally you walk on even paved surface or or uh, forest trails that are much uh, easier to walk on so, yeah. so even if you are used to walking with your pack and all the equipment it is a different challenge to actually have uh, this rocky trail under your your feet yeah cool but it's uh, and it's definitely of of all the classic routes, it's it's definitely the the most remote uh, route, right? Where the the other classic events are a little more, uh, yeah, closer to to <laughs> civilization, basically. Yes, uh, it is. In, I mean, definitely. Definitely. I mean, in the US, uh, they have great uh, wilderness areas mm. and fantastic uh, mountains uh, as well. Uh, but uh, it's still hard to find, you know, areas where you can walk for for four or five days mm. without crossing the road. So that exactly. makes this one quite uh, special. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then, I mean, with the sceneries that comes being up with no trees and no, no nothing to interfere, it's uh, quite quite amazing. Yeah. Um, and and then there are a lot of options also if you take your time to actually explore some of the peaks you pass close to Sweden's highest peaks, Kebenekaise mm -hmm. area. Uh, and there are many other uh, peaks that you, if you have uh, half a day extra or something that you can uh, 
uh, do a summit push on just to explore the the uh, magnificent magnificent views yeah. of coming up the high, high yeah because because that's actually a, a thing it's not a official part of the route but there is quite a few participants that choose to for example summit uh, Kaiser right uh, along the way yeah it's become uh, quite popular and and uh, i would say normally i mean you pass uh, next to Kebnekaisefjell station which is the the uh, quite civilized part of the route with uh, mm-hmm. with the uh, lodging accommodations and and with a restaurant and there is a small convenience store etc and that's where a lot of people go to climb this mountain yeah. and and we pass right next to that on yeah. the route and and to take an extra day to climb the the peak is is quite doable but but it adds an extra day and yeah. it's a quite challenging day and uh, but you don't need to bring all your equipment up on the that peaks so you need then then you need to come down to your base camp and continue so it uh, normally adds an extra day yeah. to your to your uh, fjellaven classic experience but i think that's also one of the things that makes fjellaven classic unique compared to the other events because you have this uh, liberty to to choose to to go off route a little bit sometimes uh whereas as the others you have to arrive at the campsite every every night and and that adds other things to the event but it uh, it's of course more yeah uh, structured in the other events where where classic is, is more up to what you want to get out of the experience as a as a hiker yeah we are moving on public land uh, mm. and you are allowed to pitch your tent anywhere uh, where, where it doesn't uh, disturb anybody else mm. uh, and uh, where you also make sure that you leave no trace behind you so we always recommend people to to stay pitch your tent on hard surfaces and on grounds where where the tent itself doesn't leave any trace um and but there are plenty of such possibilities along the route definitely yeah, yeah and then leave no trace right uh, leave base camp better than you found it isn't that the what the, what we normally say it's uh, carry in and I carry out uh, everything I totally agree, and and uh, I mean that's one of the important uh, educational parts of of Fjellraven Classic itself, and also one of the bigger missions for Fjellraven, I'd say, to 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 inspire people to learn more about nature and uh, to. I think if you don't learn more about nature, then you will never actually learn to care for it either. Mm. If you don't appreciate it you will not really care for it and uh, uh, so bringing people out to nature is a super important value in order to to get uh, acceptance and understanding for the uh, changes we need to make in order to to save the planet yeah exactly if uh, people know what they're what they will be missing if uh, if we don't take action on some of these sustainability topics then uh then people care much more if if they actually know about how beautiful yeah. and how wonderful nature is and see all these fantastic uh, solutions that nature has created mm. on its own that we are building with the uh, different technological aspects uh, and and uh, many times the solution is already there yeah but um back to the the route a little bit then when you're finished your 110 kilometers of hiking you arrive at uh, in in abisko 
And uh, what what is uh, what is the experience there then? Because that that's where we have the the trekkers in and uh, the whole experience of coming into crossing the finish line. Can you maybe put a few words on that? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you have spent uh, four or five or six days on the trail. You have had uh, most dry food. You have carried everything that you needed for the entire trek on your back so so you are a little bit sore maybe in your back maybe your feet and you are a little bit maybe fed up with the diet that you've had and then we we open you you come to to obisco mountain station which uh, is like an oasis in in the wilderness uh, Mm. that you you arrive to you know you have a fully equipped restaurant you have uh, you can get the bed you can get uh, any most service that you could a massage and yeah. uh, so on and and uh, we we uh, have uh, live music and a little bit of uh, what what you haven't had along the trail yeah. uh, so i mean uh, it's it's a you've done an effort and you've done a, a challenge and you've completed it and normally you are quite satisfied with yourself so uh, most people really tend to want to uh, uh, treat themselves with a little bit of uh, uh, party yeah and and the experience itself of just crossing the finish line with with everybody like all all participants that have already cross the finish line they're normally sitting there uh, hopefully in the sun and then clapping and cheering for people uh, coming uh, coming in and it's uh, it's quite an emotional experience uh, i've not trekked the event but i've actually been at the finish line and and even yeah. as a as a yeah outstanding participant there it, it was uh, uh, it, it was quite emotional actually to see people come in and you can really see how proud people are when they when they cross the finish line and, uh, and yeah, and what the, the crowd they makes. should be. Yeah. They should be. I think. I mean, uh, you have learned. I mean, you learn about yourself, about the nature, about uh, how to uh, uh, stay safe under conditions where you have to, uh, you know, provide the safety for yourself along the trail. Uh, and that's an experience that is worth uh, being proud of. I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, I think uh, that was actually uh, we're closing in on the on the 30, 30 minute mark here, so we're we're running out of time. Um, but uh, but I think that was a really good uh, good walkthrough of uh, of the event. And what what is the dates of uh, of uh, Field Eleven Classic Sweden uh, for twenty twenty two? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, normally people start. Uh, we have three starting days for mm-hmm. Field Eleven Classic Sweden, uh, and in twenty two, uh, the first start date will be on Friday, August the 12th. Mm-hmm. And then you can start uh, on Saturday the 13th and Sunday the 14th. Yeah. Uh, so people start in different waves and then, uh, uh, yeah, you use the time you, you need for, to get to the finish line. Yeah. And uh, and ticket sales will start soon, and there people can find out more information by following the the website and the Facebook groups uh, for the Feel Loving Classic. Uh, Feel Loving Classic yes. official is the name of the Facebook group that uh, people can can go in and and, and find. Um, I think. 
And and if you sign up to our newsletters from from Fjellraven, uh, we will uh, send out uh, information about uh, how to get tickets and uh, also a little bit uh, on advance before we publish the links on the website. So Perfect. sign up to to uh, Fjellraven newsletters to to stay informed. Perfect. Well. Uh... Thank you for for going through uh, Feel Loving Classic, uh, the concept and Feel Loving Classic Sweden with us here, Kalle. That was uh, really nice. So thanks for for joining. Thanks for having me and uh, welcome up to to Kiruna in August, Ulrik. Looking forward, looking forward to it. Um, And then uh, for all the listeners, I would uh, like to to say thanks for listening. Uh, As said, this will be the the first episode in a little bit of a mini-series here with uh, uh, Classic Germany and Feel Classic Denmark episodes coming out soon as well and then uh, later on in the, during the spring we will also also have episodes on on the other classics uh, going through the the routes and and what makes the the, the local events uh, unique uh, compared to to the original event um, but uh, once again thank you Kalle and uh, thanks to all the listeners for listening thank you